From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 40. Today's show is brought to you by Hover, Simplified Domain Management, MailRoute, a secure hosted email service for protection from viruses and spam, and Field Notes. I'm not writing it down to remember it later, I'm writing it down to remember it now. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined in person, live and in San Francisco, by Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Mike. So this is three times we've done this in person out of 40 shows now. Once, twice, three times a podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love you. <laughs> Thank you so much. In the words of Lionel Richie. So we are... Uh, we're on my turf day. now. We are on we're out turf of the now. British Isles. Mm-hmm. Forget that. This is California, baby. So we're what, like an hour or two after the keynote has just finished? Yeah. The yeah. Mammoth, it's a couple, couple hours after the keynote we're recording this. Incredibly long keynote today. Yeah, it, was, it was a little over. By Google I.O. standards, it was short. But <laughs> by Apple keynote standards, it was a little bit long. You were in the room today, as we, as we discussed last yes, week? Yes, sir. So how was it today? Did you take notes? Did you do full-on live blogging? I took notes. I oh, I did. Uh, I sent a few tweets, but Dan Morin got, was sitting right next to me, and he handled the Six Colors event account for, for live blogging, which was great. And I dropped a few tweets here and there, but I spent most of the time watching the presentation and, uh, and taking some notes in my own little uh, notes document. And how did that feel? It was a little weird. Yeah. It was good. There were moments when I suddenly realized I was typing a lot and that that probably meant that I was thinking I was live blogging, but it was for an audience of one. Uh, and then I would slow down and say, what do I really want to write down here? It's, you know, sh- shifting from verbatim note-taking mode into what's the big picture, leaving myself little notes, which is something that I don't normally do if I'm live blogging. Like, this is important. This was a surprise. This oh, was, you know... a uh, a couple points I, I kind of wanted to emphasize. This is important, even though they didn't make a big deal out of it. So that was some, different because last week um, you were very much in the impression that you weren't going to do that this time. Uh, one big difference is that Dan got into the keynote, which we were we were asking Apple if they would consider letting him in, and they did. And uh, and so you know we we found that out if, you know a little while ago. It wasn't today, but. Um, and that changed that, that made it very easy for me to make the decision to sort of take a step back and, and that way I could pay more close attention during the event. Uh, then we had, you know, we ran out afterward, got some lunch and came here to record this and then I will, you know, start writing some stuff. And, and, uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's good. I think that's nice. So I watched, uh, the keynote in the hotel in the park 55, uh, the release notes guys who had the podcast and the conference that I'm going to be speaking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put on like a viewing and it was great. We had a bunch of people there. I love watching the keynote with people because it's it's fun. People make jokes, they laugh, mm-hmm. they cheer, that kind of thing. So that was a lot of fun. I love watching keynotes with people, Mike. Yep. Well, you get a special. And I always do because yeah. I'm with all the people in the room. No, I, it's, no you say that and I think it's funny because it can be a solitary experience. If you're just a person at home watching on the live stream, it is way more fun to have a, an audience there. Whether it's the big one or the small one. People are making jokes and stuff like that because I can't, I never go on Twitter during, mm. because it's too much. It's uh, it's impossible to keep up with and I can't concentrate on what's happening if I'm watching, uh, you know, people joking around and stuff, which is which is admittedly a lot of fun, but it, I can't concentrate and then I get all lost. Right. I understand that. So we should probably just dive in and yeah. I figure we'll talk about some of the things that came up today. 
um, but do them in the presentation order as is as is, you know as we want to do mm-hmm. in these scenarios. So let's start off with OS ten El Capitan. Yes, uh, I hate that name. I just want to put oh. that out there. Uh, I think it's awkward to say. So why do you? Yeah, you, so that's why. Is yeah. it like Mavericks awkward? I think it's more awkward. Because Mavericks was one word. This is El Capitan. El Capitan. Like that is a is a long and awkward thing to say, and it's four syllables. It looks in. It looks kind of strange. Um, written down. So El Capitan is inside of Yosemite National Park, right? Yeah. El Capitan is a giant granite cliff, granite monolith inside Yosemite National Park. Okay. So this is this is Apple's equivalent of of uh, snow leopard or mountain lion, by saying it's still essentially a Yosemite class operating system. See, I think that I don't know enough about Yosemite, but I guess they were they had very limited options if they wanted to go that route. Well, they could have called it Half Dome, but that's weird. That's that's much much worse. Okay, I, I yeah. will accept El Capitan for the reason that they chose it, if that makes sense. But yeah. I just think as a product name, it is not a good product you know, name. They could have called it Glacier Point, I suppose, or that's something. nicer. That's that's much nicer. El Capitan. I don't know. It it is interesting that it's still a Yosemite theme. Um, maybe that means that we can have that great Yosemite conference again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go back to Yosemite. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So the crown stays in the, uh, in the Sierra Nevadas in, in Yosemite for another, another upgrade cycle. Experience and performance. This seems to be the mantra of the day. Um, that both OS 10, they've said that for, and they, they kind of hinted towards mm-hmm. that of iOS as well. So the experience is a few features, basically a smattering of features and then performance is basically apple saying yes we are fixing the issues yeah they also use the phrase refinements and advances yeah which i thought was interesting um this is their way of saying without saying it you know we are concerned about um speed and stability yep which are the things that people have been talking about with with the mac and with ios and so they they said that refinements and advances speed you know speed and stability um ways to make you know they they, it's not like they're not adding features but the idea that they're trying to make things faster they talked a lot about changing some of the underlying technology to make things faster and you know i i at least choose to read between the lines that um taking some time to to smooth off some of the rough edges is one of the things that they're doing as a part of this too although they didn't it's not like they came out and said we're going to take a lot of time to fix bugs but i think that's um at least you can read that into what they said if that is what they are doing, I appreciate this. The same with iOS is they didn't just do this. There is some stuff here. I mean, so the, I think probably the biggest thing that's been added to El Capitan is window management. A lot more options for window management. So we have uh, an updated mission control. Um, they've made it, and also like switching between spaces and stuff like that has been made to be performing better. On my Retina MacBook Pro, that is one of the most frustrating things for me. Sometimes I swipe and nothing happens for like a second and then I move over. Mm-hmm. So that's something I'm happy to see that they're looking at fixing. I love mission control. That is how I, I use that a lot. I use spaces and full screen and stuff like that. So I'm happy to see anything change there. I, I thought some of the stuff looked really good. Like you could drag a window up to the top and create a new desktop with it. I thought that mm-hmm. was really nice. But one of the big things that they're pushing, and we'll probably talk about this in another context in a little bit, mm-hmm. is split view. Yeah. Um, so there is an app called Moom. Is that right? M-O-O-M? Yeah, Moom. And, yeah, for many tricks. And this is a similar kind of idea in that. Yeah, scenario. I mean, Moom is super flexible, but the thing is that Moom is a utility 
by third party. And with this with this view, you've got um, the split screen mode and all of that. It's in the system, right? So it's it, Apple has the ability to do things that that no third party can do, and so that's what they've done here. Moom lets you set like put these you know tile these windows and move this window over there, and this is a very much sort of saying I want two apps on the screen at once, and you can do that with regular windows, but you have to manage them. And this is stuff we've seen. Microsoft did some of this in Windows 8. Um, but uh, it's it's a nice, like, it is, very, it is very much like mission control in that it's about sort of simplifying the the window management experience. And if you're an old school Mac user who just wants to have your windows where you want them, you can still do that. But if you're in a, I find myself sometimes in a mode where I really just want two apps in yep. front and you know single window mode won't do that the 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 full screen mode won't do that and so this is in between full screen mode and the freeform mode and i think that's good and they made some uh, other enhancements like with mail um they put some gestures in there fine but with full screen you can kind of move the message pane away and then they put tabs in the in the composed message window and stuff like that all they, the, all those things that frustrate you when you're in full screen mode right because yeah. the, because full screen mode with window for with apps that spawn multiple windows becomes really frustrating because yep. does it is it sliding that new window out? How do you minimize something? How do you switch to a second window if you're in the full screen view? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing that drives me out of full screen mode more than any other. So they're trying to put in these in mail. They've got these shorthands now that let you do actually very much like iOS let you kind of do some basic management of this this uh, single window view. We have Spotlight. Um, so Spotlight on the Mac has received some enhancements, uh, one of those being a lot more natural language stuff, which is quite interesting. So there's some of that in there, like what's the weather going to be like on yeah. Friday and stuff like that, which is which is interesting. And again, that technology is there, but we'll talk about it on iOS. It seems to have really come into its own in iOS. Yeah, I think I think if you... I think I read something about Google discovering that there's a certain percentage of users who talk, who type into Google like they're trying to reason with somebody, (laughs) an actual person. Like they don't type, and my sister I think is like this. Like somebody in my family, I observed doing a Google search and they were like asking it questions, like ask Jeeves or something. They were saying, how do I find, like, don't know, don't just type in the words you're searching for, but that was not how they do it. They're like, how do I find how to do this or what is the thing for this? And so the natural language thing is, I mean, it's good because I do think that certain uh, a certain group of users think that way and that's how they want to formulate their queries. And so by saying, you know, show me all the you know the presentation files I was working on last June and having it actually be able to do that there are a lot of people who are never going to go and say you know date created is between June 1st and June 30th of 2014 and kind is presentation right i'm one of those people like i prefer to ask a computer a question like that it's yeah. like why i love fantastical because i have natural language entry exactly i can't use other calendar programs now i like to just type it because my brain works that way it's easier like i loved the email stuff where it was like show me the messages i've ignored from phil which is that is that is smart mm-hmm. stuff going on there and i really like that as, as a way to interact with the computer is to ask it questions and it should be able to pass what i'm saying and deliver answers to me like that i think that's really cool um 
Safari stuff. I mean, I'm not a Safari user, um, so I'm not massively interested in it. I am. The, some of this, like the pinned tabs thing, it just feels like adding a feature. It does, I, I, don't, I don't know what you think, but I don't see a lot of utility in doing that. You could just have the tab open. Well, no, but the idea here is you've got your favorite sites. And Book again, marks. this is how different people work. Yeah. Uh, you've got your favorite sites and you always want them there. And instead of putting them in a bookmark and then clicking on the bookmark every time you open it, I'm pretty sure this is one of those features that came out of them observing how users use yeah. software. And they they always go to these same apps. And so by having them be pinned like that, any browser window you're in has them right there and they're preloading them which they you know more aggressively than they would if it was just in the in the in the bookmarks bar and they hide the bookmarks bar by default i think so this is like a a visual bookmark yeah it's like a new version of that for your high priority sites cuz you know there are a lot of people that this is how they use the internet is they they check eight sites that they like or four sites that they like and so to have them in this way i think i think there will be certain kinds of users who will get a huge benefit out of having it there cool I was in a room with a bunch of developers. You were in a room with even more. Yeah. Uh, the advancements to metal on the Mac seem to turn people like to set people into a bit of a frenzy. Well, that's a super developer message, and yeah. so the developers like to hear that. Um, I think unless you're somebody who really loves OpenGL, I mean, the idea there is that you're using core animation. You can use core animation and core graphics, and now it's running at a much, you know, they said up to 50% improvement in, in speed because they're eliminating the, the gap. They're, they're, they're getting you closer to the metal by, uh, by doing that. So I thought it was interesting, too, in terms of um, this, this section had the lengthy um, set of examples involving Adobe, which is interesting because, you know, that's a relationship that's gone back and forth yep. uh, about, especially over the, the whole Flash uh, debacle and here what you've got is adobe highlighted as a company that tried some of these new features got great results and has said we're going to use this technology for all of our products on the mac and that they said not just after effects which is one that always gets carted out but like illustrator having some stuff that currently they can't show the ui update because it's too processor intensive so they just sort of when you zoom in you move from state a to state b and that with this system they can actually do a smooth zoom to that point mm -hmm. and stuff like that and that they're committed to adopting it on all their os 10 apps i mean that's that's a i thought that was a really interesting sign not only of the apple adobe relationship but um interesting endorsement of some pretty prominent and and uh and uh it's a practical use in those apps, these prominent apps of uh, this technology. So it's not just a, hey, games can be good on the Mac, which, you know, is not yeah. the biggest market on the Mac anyway. Well, that's where the demo came from. The demo came from Epic. And I felt like it would have been a lot better to come from Adobe. The The demo should have come from yeah, Adobe. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think that would have been a lot stronger of a message and would have made a lot more sense to have them on stage. Um, and to, to have them showing some of the stuff. Yeah, maybe they just weren't prepared to do it, but I, I agree with you. That would have been, um, I don't know. I find, the, I find the game demos boring in general, and this one was boring in particular. <laughs> it, was, it went on way too long, and I felt like it was a little like the, you know, a teacher trying to tell a student to hurry up their presentation by saying, they're going to give us a really short demo. <laughs> as they introduced them they said a short demo but it wasn't wasn't short enough no they, they because the thing was and the issue is with that stuff they were promoting their new game 
Yeah, I know, and it's just like here's this game. It's on the Mac. It's it doesn't it, really look that. It, good. it doesn't look that great. It was it's boring. It's you know they they're acting like it's this cool thing. And again, I don't want to see a demo of their game. I, I, there were sprinkled in there some examples of hey, this new technology that Apple has really helped us here, but I don't think it added a whole lot to the no, thing. No, it definitely I mean, didn't. There, there are two things. Whenever we talk about keynotes, there's sort of two things we do. The one is analyze what was announced and what does it mean for Apple and what are those products, how do we understand them and what is that going to mean for users. The other thing is like the keynote appreciation of keynote as an art form where we're, where we're criticizing the medium more yeah. than the message. And this is one of those examples where in terms of reviewing the keynote as a, as a performance, the game demo really, I, I could really have done without it, and I don't think it really imparted a lot of information. No, it it didn't. It was add, a break. It didn't add any more weight than the quote from Adobe on a slide did. It added a lot less weight, I think, yeah. than a quote from Adobe. And quite frankly, are you really trying to explain? I mean, other than just ooh, neat moving pictures, and you know, is it? more realistic to show people a game running on the Mac than it is like professional software running on the Mac or even like photo management software or something. But a game, it just, yeah. Why don't they bring the product developer of Final Cut on stage and show that show how, because they was talking about things like rendering and stuff like that and show how that's yeah. faster. That's, you know, that's more compelling, I think, than showing Epic. But hey, uh, Apple are trying to get games. Right, it's it's a thing that the Mac. I, I get it. It's just never it's just never really going to happen on the Mac, and it's helpful that they do this. But they're really just saying, hey, games are a good way to explain graphics performance. But sure. they didn't really explain it. They're just like, hey, look, it's a game, yay. Um, yeah, less less exciting. That Adobe thing, though, I was impressed by that the Adobe thing because that's that's not just Adobe tried a thing out and said it was okay. That's Adobe saying, yeah, this is so great, we're going to use it in all our stuff. So, you know, then we've got the usual, you know, El Capitan. It, there's a developer preview in July, I think, uh, and it comes out in the fall. Is developer it, preview now, now, public beta That's what I meant in to July. say, yeah. And then there'll be somebody who sends a tweet saying that we got that wrong because they haven't li- they paused it right before we corrected it <laughs> immediately after saying it because that's life in the big city for podcasting. But yeah, so it's going to be the same. It's the usual. Developers can get a beta now. Um, there'll be a public beta you know, after they've done a developer beta cycle or two, they'll do a public beta in mm-hmm. July, and then uh, it'll be out in the fall for free. Um, as far as we can tell, it's just, you know, like everybody, if you could run Yosemite, you can run El Capitan. And uh, yeah, that that's it. I'm trying to see. Um, I really liked the, uh, we didn't mention another example of watching how people use their computer and trying to come up with ways to do it better, which is one of the great ways to innovate in if you're building new software. Um, was the shaking your cursor to find out where it is when you wake up your computer. Funny little thing, but a nice thing. Yeah, so you shake it and it gets bigger while you're shaking it so you can see where it is and mm-hmm. then it goes back down. That's great. I do that all the time. I have, I have that big Retina iMac and I sometimes I'm like, I don't even, it's a huge screen. I don't even know where that little <laughs> cursor is. And I'm like, where is it? Where is it? Is my, keep, is my Bluetooth trackpad off? Is that why I can't see it? What's going on? So that was, I just like that as a, it, it's yeah. silly, but um, that's a good example of somebody building a feature because they realized, oh, this is something everybody does and it wastes people's time. Anything missing for you? Oh, well, I was, as I've written, I, I was ready for them to get rid of the X and just call it, uh, call it uh, Mac OS again, but this is not an OS release about change, right? This is about kind of keeping on from Yosemite and uh, 
and that's fine. I, that's exactly what I was looking for. I'm a little surprised that there that the that there were rumors that the the new San Francisco font would be used, and I don't think Good point. Uh, I don't think it is. It definitely looked like they were using it on iOS, but they didn't mention it. Yeah, and I think I saw one tweet that that pointed out that it's being used on some parts of iOS, but not all of it. I don't understand that. Um, I that is interesting. Like if they're using it, because they didn't even mention it. It, it no. didn't even seem to be on that big word cloud. Um, so I don't know what's going on there. That could still come later, I guess. But you know, maybe maybe there's a reason that we just don't know, or maybe they just never were going to do it in the first place. I don't know. But there was definitely a font change on iOS, which we'll get to in a bit. Yeah. But they're, they're, they were showing some of the UI, and it looked different, and it looked like San Francisco. So, so may, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what's happening with, with uh, El Capitan. I got to get used to saying that. El Capitan. I feel like every time I say it, I have to say it in a funny way. Yeah. Well, El you can Capi- call you can El call Capitan. it Snowsemity if you want to. I might do that actually. The <laughs> we have Stephen in the room here, and he's shaking his head. He doesn't no. like Snowsemity, doesn't which is approve. now what I will call it. So, should we move on to iOS? Yeah. Um, well, real time follow up. Uh, T underscore in the chat room says the fonts are updated. I don't know updated in what way or or what. Again, I only have the information that I could glean from the keynote being in it. So we'll find out more as the uh, developer betas get installed and we learn more. Uh, so apparently, definitely new system font was in included in the word cloud. So thank you very much to everybody in the chat room who is pointing that out. Uh, there definitely is a new system font. And we will call it Capitan Francisco. There you go. <laughs> This week's episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Field Notes. Uh, Field Notes is a dream sponsor of mine. I love them so much. I have one right here. Right there, yeah. I, I have about six in uh, the in one of the drawers in my uh, in my house. I I found I found a big cache of them. So now we have even more. You can use them for anything. So Field Notes are great. They're like these great little notebooks. They've got great design. They're made by a great team. Um, in, based in Chicago, it's all made in the made in America. Something that they're very proud of. These notebooks can be used for anything. I use them to take all my show notes. I use the, I keep them in my bag. I keep them in my pocket to take lists to do like to take grocery lists. Um, if you have anything you need to put on paper, Field Notes is a great way to do it. They have a great little tagline which I love, which is I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now. And that makes a lot of sense when you start using these things because it's it becomes to the point where it's like you don't sometimes when you write things down on paper they stick in your brain so making lists and doing stuff like that you do them on paper and they stick and field notes is a fantastic way to do it my favorite thing about field notes is their colors edition so every quarter as i am a subscriber field notes come up with a new limited edition notebook they're always incredibly inventive they're always pushing and pushing to do more interesting and exciting things they come up with this new stuff and they send them to me in the mail so I, i pay every year and i get four different editions every year and they range it's typically like six books you get a year and they all have these really interesting designs on them the edition that they have right now for the summer is called the workshop companion edition the workshop companion features a set of six books in a custom sleeve of a set of stickers stickers makes me very happy each book is themed to a common project to be done around the house including electrical work plumbing painting gardening automotive and woodworking they are themed in such a way they have great colors great little icons on them the stickers match the icons like to match each of the common projects and if you are a field notes color subscriber you'll also get yourself a workshop reminder magnet as well 
You can find out more about the workshop edition at fieldnotesbrand.com slash workshop. I think you should really go and check them out. They're great for you. They're great gifts as well. I believe Father's Day is on the horizon in the United States of America. Jason, can you confirm that? It is. Father's Day is near. This is a great Father's Day gift. They come in a great little box, perfect to keep in the workshop. They're absolutely fantastic. And if you buy a year-long color subscription, starting with the workshop companion, and use the code RELAY, you'll get three carpenter pencils and a three-pack of pitch black memo books, which are these all-black memo books that Field Notes make. Um, so you should buy that. You should go and sign up. You'll get the you'll get the workshop companion in the next three editions for the next year. But you can also buy them separately as well. So you can go over to fieldnotesbrand.com slash workshop and you can pick up some books for yourself. But you want to hurry because they always sell out. They sell out quick. And when they're gone, they're gone. Father's Day is Sunday, June 21st in the US and the UK, Mike. Is it in the UK? Indeed. <laughs> I have to address some issues with my father. Mm-hmm. Field notes. I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now. iOS. iOS 9. iOS 9. So, again, same sort of idea here. Uh, we have some refinements. We have... So they kind of... They referred to it as there were some enhancements and building on the foundation. It's mm-hmm. the way that they kind of pitched that. And the foundation stuff is the improvements. So shall we start with some of the new and enhanced built-in applications? And shall we talk about the new news app? Sure, let's do that. Can you give a brief up, like a brief overview for anyone that doesn't know or anyone that needs a refresher? What is the news app? Well, it looks like newsstand is going away and that all the newsstand apps are just going to be apps, which is fine because newsstand was not very good. And that there's this new app called News that looks like it's it's not quite an RSS reader. It's it's more like Flipboard. It reminds me a lot of those um, instant articles that are in Facebook. It's Apple providing a platform in which web articles basically will be shown with some custom layout that makes them look nicer. And you can subscribe to subjects or tags or particular publications, whether they're newspapers or magazines or blogs, and then it collects the stories for you. So yeah, I mean, especially Flipboard is a good example where it sounds a lot like like that kind of thing, except this is going to be an Apple app and it's going to be built into every iPhone and iPad. Why does this exist? I think... Apple wants, I don't know, I mean, it's a good question. I think Apple wants to make things easier for publishers and doesn't want to keep going down the path of newsstand. Yep. Um, newsstand failed. Newsstand was a mistake. Apple should have built something like iBooks for magazines and newspapers, and they instead decided to let every media company build their own apps. Yeah, have weirdo apps inside of a weirdo folder. Yeah. So this so that that was a bad idea. Yeah. Um I think Steve Jobs got um charmed by the tech demos, the impractical expensive tech demos in the early days of the iPad and decided that that was going to be the media strategy. So th- this is a very interesting strategy in that it's not about um you know, it's a universal reader. It's much more of a, a fancy web browser than it is, uh, you know, it's not like a magazine 
or newspaper app. It's I think they've learned a lot of lessons that this is not replicating paper is not what you want to do. You want to come up with something that embraces this format. It's interesting that it's so much like Flipboard. And they didn't buy Flipboard. They no. just they just did something that's a lot like Flipboard. Yeah, it, it's you pick your categories. Um, I like the search stuff. Oh, we should mention this was the first demo given by a woman, right? Or was that was it? Ca- did maybe the no, Apple second, Pay you, stuff you, came you first. You jumped ahead. Yeah. So this was the second demo given by a woman. It was given so, by Susan Prescott. So this was. So we might as well have this as a quick aside now because there was also the Apple Pay executive. Do you have her name to hand? Uh, Jennifer Bailey. Really interesting. So I mean, yesterday as we record this, Christina Warren had a great uh, interview with, with Tim, Tim Cook, Cook in, in Mashable. And they were talking about uh, equality in tech and women in tech. And one of the things that Tim said was, watch tomorrow, watch what we do tomorrow. And I really like what Apple have done here because what they have done is they have brought out people where they wouldn't normally do that. Yes. So Federighi would have done that demo. Mm-hmm. So they have brought the executives onto the stage. So they are forcing the change, which is exactly what they need to do. because. Yeah. They are they are saying, right, we're just going to bring these people onto stage because they are women in these great jobs. They're doing great things. Normally, you don't get to see them. So instead of doing the normal demo for those parts, we will bring them out to the front, put them on stage so you can see that we do have these people, but usually we just don't bring them out. So well, I think it was a great move. I agree. I, in, the, in the case of Jennifer Bailey, she's the VP in charge of Apple Pay. So why not? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you bring, bring her out and... Plus, they both gave incredible demos. I thought they were funny and powerful and just really, really great at what they did. Yeah, they both had their um, unique styles that were their own, just as any presenter does. And um, yeah, it was good to see more. It was good to see different people on stage to have Apple's keynote be less monolithic than it's been in the past. Yep. I think that, that was good. It felt like you're watching a whole company full of people who are working on this stuff and not a very tiny cabal of people who invent everything and then roll it out, which is, you know, not accurate. It is more, there, there are a lot of people who work at Apple and working on this stuff. So to see more of them is good. And yep. to see some diversity on that stage, really good. So basically, um, news is the new, a new take on an RSS reader. I think in, in a nutshell, that's what it is. I'm, I'm thinking maybe some of this is so they can populate spotlight stuff right because spotlight seems to suggest news articles and this is a place to send you to so that could be one thing that they're doing it for um they showed big publishers they showed wired they had vox on the screen new york times yep conde nast and and stuff like that they also made a point of showing daring fireball Mm -hmm. which was really exciting Yes, they said the words daring fireball clicked him as a choice she cooked him as a choice of a of a blog that she likes what are you going to do? Do you know anything about this system? Can you publish this system? Yeah, do they, you want to? Uh, they made a point of the fact that this is not, and I think that's actually one of the reasons why they showed Daring Fireball, not only because they like John Gruber, but because he's a blogger. And it was part of the message to say, look, here's a newspaper, here's a magazine, and here's a blog, and I can subscribe to all of them. And then I can subscribe to this broad category of technology, as well as this incredibly narrow keyword of Swift, the programming language. And I can, and so it was a good example of that. And then later they said, this is for, you know, this is for everyone. Presumably they'll have some sort of a spec 
But they said, you know, this is for local papers, it's for blogs, it's for everyone. So all publishers should be able to publish to this format. So, you know, given my audience, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I can't wait to find out what the specs are for this and uh, and figure out how that I how I can take advantage of it. iCloud.com slash news publisher. All right. You'll I'll go use, there after the show. Mike. You'll use iCloud to add your content to news. Sign in with your Apple ID you'd like to use for your business or channel. Okay. Weird that it's on iCloud. <laughs> that seems like an interesting thing. That okay. I, well, I feel that's like that's got to be like app. iBook, like like uh, it's like iTunes Connect. It's a it's a back end system that you sign up for. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, this feels like something that you would have an article that you that you want to put out there, and you would you know it's a nice big beefy article or something, and you put I, it in. I imagine they've got some document specs and some feed specs, and yeah. you know that's everybody will look at that and and figure out how they want to proceed. But you know, it's interesting. I guess if it's pre-installed, maybe people will use it. I don't know if I will. Like maybe, maybe, maybe I'll look at that instead of RSS or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't use Flipboard and I don't use RSS, so no, I'm using I'm using Nuzzle right now to mm-hmm. do all that. And you know, but uh, yeah, I'll check it out. Different lots. There are lots of different ways to do reading, and and getting on the device is powerful. It's not the it's not the solution. You know, not every iPhone user in existence has not started listening to podcasts because the podcast app is on the iPhone. But it sure helps that there's a podcast app on the iPhone. And this is, you know, there will be, if you want to get some news, also they integrated top news and things into their search. Um, and this is a way, presumably, you will now jump to the news app to read those instead of... Yeah. The website to the website, so that's part of that integration too. And it sounds like the um, the Recode report, Walt Mossberg's report about this, or no, Peter Kafka's report about this, was that um, we saw no ads today. But it sounds like um, publishers can put ads in there, and they keep all the money from the ads. Apple's not trying to say give us thirty percent of all the ads that display in the news app. And then that report also said that if you don't have ads, if you if you've run out of your ads or whatever, Apple will actually be the backfill and they could actually put their own ads in there and then cut you in for a piece of that so there is an ad story there too it'll be interesting to see how that goes because they they said the new york times you know they're going to put in what 30 stories a day or something yeah. i mean they're, they're, that stuff that's interesting because that's stuff that you aren't allowed to read on the web because after a few stories you are blocked from those stories for the rest of the month on the new york times but they'll all be you know 30 stories a day will be in the news app that's that's, uh, that's a lot. That's content you can't get on the web, but you can get in the news app. That's pretty cool. Notes. The Notes app Notes has app. some massive, massive uh, changes. Yeah, it looks a lot more like Vesper now. <laughs> yeah. So thanks. We They mentioned Daring Fireball. They also <laughs> made Notes work a lot more like uh, like uh, Vesper. So I thought there was a nice tidbit there that I noticed, which is that Notes is used by half of all iPhone users. Yep. That's a popular app. Surprisingly. Used by. I use it. When I parked today, I opened notes and put down where I parked. Yeah. I mean, nothing. I'm going to give it, a, I'll give it a go of iOS 9. I mean, I use drafts for this stuff, but. Well, I'm we, using notes for, like I said, it's, it's also my purpose built uh, note taking app for watching things for the incomparable. Yeah. It's just they're all in there. All of my notes are in there. But you, you get, so there's a, a toolbar, there's text formatting, you can make quick checklists, you can insert photos, you can uh, link. Yeah, yeah, there's a links um, 
the links look better. It's not just like a hyperlink of text. It's actually a little box with a preview of what where the link goes to, which is kind of neat. Um, so they, they, you know, they really did add a whole bunch of stuff. A share, yeah, a share sheet that lets you drop things into notes from elsewhere. It's some nice stuff. I'm probably gonna switch to Apple Maps from Google Maps because of their transit stuff. Well, Google has transit stuff too. The way that Apple are displaying the transit stuff is very, very interesting to me, and I'm very much looking forward to checking it out. So, what way is that? So, they have a couple of things that I really like the look of. They have a full transit map which shows lines and stuff like that on the the actual map face. Yeah, I really liked that. That, yep. that you're not just viewing transit little buttons on top of a street map you're looking at a transit map transit layer and even more interestingly because this is something that frustrates me with google maps and any other mapping service i've ever used which is it shows me the entrance for the train station which is something that i don't get and they're like we'll send you there so you know exactly where to go because usually they just drop a pin right in the middle yeah, it's like the train station is a single item that is a single point and everybody enters through that point, which, of course, is not how it works. Yep, because that's the main reason that I don't use Apple Maps is because I am a person who needs transit stuff. That's how I get around. Yeah. I use the tube and I use buses and I walk. And at the moment, Apple have not had anything to help me in that regard. And all of the third-party apps that I have tried, I haven't found better than Google Maps. Um, and London is a launch city, which it definitely should be, and I'm really happy they did it because it's the—I think it's the only one outside of America or China that is a launch city. That's good. It's because London. No, is... No, no, there's Berlin. Is there Berlin? Berlin's as well? in there too. Okay. So it's it's limited, and uh-huh. it makes sense. I mean, you go for the places that have real good infrastructure london is one of them and and i think my understanding is the data isn't too hard to get because we have a centralized body that does it so tfl transport for london has all of that data and and they have apis and stuff so we were probably not too difficult a city to actually map and get it right but i'm really really excited for that yeah that's uh it's something that apple just couldn't do when they were launching their new maps thing it was just one thing that they just they couldn't get it done in time and uh because this needs careful consideration transit is very very difficult to do Mm -hmm. but i you know i still think they should have waited but hey you know they or they should have done this two years ago right because it is a big part of it Mm -hmm. but i'm very happy to see it and one of the main reasons is because like that i would want to switch is because i really really love getting the directions on my watch i love that yeah. Um and that's really going to work well for me. So I'm I'm excited for that because I think it would be difficult maybe I don't know we'll see from the native stuff for Google to do a comparable app uh for the watch but so I'm really excited for that. Yeah, when I was in Brooklyn I um I was tr- trying to use Google Maps and it and uh for transit and it took me to the block where the train station was that I was going to. But then I had that wandering around thing where you're trying to guess at where the actual entryway to the train station was because it wasn't, it didn't take me to the entryway for, you know, that that I could go down that was the closest to where I was. And I wandered around for a couple of minutes before I found the way in. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, smart. Passbook becomes wallet and with wallet comes additional features for Apple Pay. Right. So uh, there are store cards and loyalty cards now, right? Yeah. So they talked about loyalty cards at the at the event in September yeah. of last year. 
but they they, they but, talked about when they launched Apple Pay that um or they announced Apple Pay and not not in the keynote but after the keynote when we were talking to them they're like oh yeah yeah loyalty cards will be supported but it just hasn't happened yet so now it's happened now we now we've got where they they're making those partnerships so the loyalty cards will be built in to Apple Pay um as well and uh you know you left out you left out in addition to having London Transit we have um Apple Pay in the UK which is the great. old punk rock song so goes. That, that's happening in July <laughs> So, because there was rumors that Canada was going to be the next, the next destination mm. for Apple Pay, but next month I finally get Apple Pay. Um, Two hundred fifty thousand locations. The best one is the Tube, so we'll be able to use Apple Pay to to ride the Tube. Yeah. There is a quite a funny thing. Uh, I currently have two bank accounts with two different banks, and over the next couple of months, I was planning on switching to the bank that I prefer, Barclays. And currently with HSBC going to Barclays. Barclays is one of the only banks in the UK that has not yet signed up for Apple Pay, which is extremely surprising because Barclays are the most digital. Hmm. But they're not there yet. They will be by the, because their, their customers are going to really, really pressure them. Because when they showed the screen, every other major UK bank, of which there are a lot, was in was seemed to be involved. So I will still use it because at the moment all my personal transactions go through my HSBC bank hmm. account and they are going to be using Apple Pay. So I'm very, very excited next month to start using Apple Pay because it's something that I really want because we are so contactless. I pay with my card contactless, but now I'll be able to do it with my watch. Instead, I'm really, really excited to do that. It's pretty great. I enjoy that. Yeah, so I, was, great. I was in a, um, I was in a Waitrose with James Thompson in Glasgow and talking about Apple Pay and how it, you know, hopefully it'll come to the UK sometime. And they made that, announcement and i sent i sent a note to james saying well that waitrose in in glasgow will have apple pay soon so it was actually waitrose was they're a very great they were a great supermarket they were one of the ones they actually mentioned on so i like that they picked a couple out mm-hmm. and and because they do that for america so do it for us too and, and i like that that they said marks and spencers and waitrose they, they picked them out as two two locations and they're they're fancy supermarkets mm-hmm. they're up, upscale supermarkets yeah. it's huge uk news today is what we're saying. Huge. It's all, it's all coming up Royal Britannia today. It's, mm-hmm. it, I'm, I'm very happy. I mean, I know I'm in another country, but mm-hmm. I'm flying the flag today. Let's talk about the iPad, Jason. Anything this happen is... with the iPad? <laughs> all I know is Federico Vitici's brain exploded. It's, I haven't heard from him for a while. I'm start, I'm, I think we should maybe send someone to go and check mm-hmm. on him. Uh, there is some really, really big stuff in here. Well, you know, so we were talking, we've talked about that on this show before, that, that there's this feeling that a lot of people have and that I have, that I wrote a piece on Six Colors about it, that, that um, the size of the iPhone, the success of the iPhone is so tremendous that it's hard to justify and sometimes it's been hard for Apple to justify investing a lot of effort on iPad features in iOS because there's so many iPhones and there are fewer iPads. Even if the iPad, you know, the iPad's fine, but it's not the iPhone. Nothing's the iPhone. And today, we got a large chunk of the, of the presentation devoted to features that were at least described as being iPad features. Some of them may have their counterparts on the iPhone, but it was really about working on the iPad. And um, as somebody who loves his iPad, I'm not, you know, Federico Vitici level of love, but... Um, I was I was blown away by it. That was uh, that was probably my favorite part of the entire presentation was the iPad stuff. 
So there's a couple of different things here. So one of them, there's a few features that are classed as multitasking. So there is a few features. This one called Slide Over, where it's a second app where you kind of pull it in from the side. Yeah, it's like Notification Center or yeah. the Control Center, yep. except from the right side. Yeah, so you pull in, a, I think it probably, they didn't really explain what app. I guess it's like the most recent app. Um, and then you're able to to do some invoke some action. I think it's the multitasking, and you can switch between a vertical mm-hmm. list of of apps. You 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 slide it in, double tap, and you can change what app is there. Yeah. So the idea being maybe Twitter or messages. You slide it in, do what you got to do, slide it back away again, and it shows basically an iPhone. Yeah, it, it's in the in the hashtag Mike was right section of the presentation it basically they basically said to the developers who were there because again developer conference is if you did the work to do the um the auto layout and 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 sizing that for example allowed your iphone 6 app to also work really well on the 6 plus that will just kind of move along and go off on the corner there and and it'll auto layout and it's like a little iphone app running next to a kind of narrow ipad app then there was split view Right. Split view is you can invoke this from slide over um, where you then effectively you pull it, pull it across and you have two apps running simultaneously next yeah. to each other. This is massive stuff. Like they were showing some things there that look really interesting. Like click a link in the, in, uh, the notes app and you've got maps next to it and it will just go to the maps or you click a, a link in a web browser and it pops up yeah it, they, they were showing some really interesting ways that these two apps will just work together right. in tandem yeah and they're it's not any different it looks like or not much different than how apps work together now except now one app goes away and the other app comes to the foreground and and in this um they're both running so one app is there and then another app some and, and in fact you can have like maps open on the left but you tap on a web link maps goes away on the left and uh and safari opens that that is a behavior too but then you've got the two things open simultaneously we should say that split view only works on the ipad air 2 right now presumably new ipads to be announced this fall will all support it is my that's my guess but they all have slide over i think but they all have slide over and the other feature which is the video picture in picture feature yes which is madness that that is like you know you're watching a streaming video app and you can just have that app playing in a corner like a like a facetime uh yep. preview you can move it around they should like you can basically slide it all the way off the screen just to listen to it yeah that is really great like youtube are doing backflips because for that is amazing for for that kind of app um, and i think that that is really really exciting stuff yeah, well, I, I use that for like Major League Baseball. You could use it for HBO Go. I mean, the apps have to support it, but it's that's a uh, yeah, it's that's that's pretty cool too. But the split view itself is iPad Air two only because it's by far the most powerful iOS device. So right now, that's the only place you can get it. But um, you know, it's it's very interesting that this is happening, and they they also mentioned as a part of this the um the uh. Was it well? No, in in another part of the demo when they were talking about Siri, they also talked about APIs for um, apps to put their content in Spotlight. Yep, and that's exciting. But they also said app that, indexing. Yeah, and that also means though that they said that those app apps will be able to provide essentially a deep linking URL with their search results um, or a URL format. So that's, you know, that's deep linking supported in the system. That's like, 
automation workflow kind of stuff becoming, if not mainstream, becoming kind of a blessed part of what's happening yeah. in the system. And that's really great too. So you throw that in there with the split view and you've got some features that are traditional computer features that are um, that are finally showing up on iOS for the first time. Let's talk about the keyboard. Oh, Mike. There is some magical things happening to the iPad keyboard. So the quick type bar, the suggestions bar, now has shortcuts, cut, copy, paste, and formatting, and, and I think attachments if you're in mail or mm. whatever. But the real magical stuff is this text selection. Remember when there was that, we were talking about last week, two weeks ago, about that Apple patent that was, what if you could move your finger around on the MacBook keyboard and it would be like a trackpad? Well, this is that on the iPad keyboard. You just move your finger around two fingers. You put two fingers down on the keyboard instead of one. And now it's a trackpad and you can move the insertion point around, move it up and down. You can, you can essentially click and uh drag and drag and select text it's crazy the speed there was this one point where federighi was demoing this and he was doing stuff at such speed he clearly had practiced it a lot but it looked incredible and it was he was meant to do it fast to show you like yeah. click that cut that copy that paste it was just like yeah. it's wow. like using a laptop yeah. to select text so forget about that plus on top of that they improved uh, hardware keyboard support. Yep. There's with, a task. There's an app switcher, like on OS X. You can command tab yep. through apps. And there's just a bunch of shortcuts now. Yeah. And and when I think it said when you plug in a keyboard, it shows you them. Mm-hmm. So you know what you're dealing with. It's great. Yeah. It's really amazing and stuff. And th- th- these are all features. I mean, not maybe not the picture-in-picture video, although that can make you more productive because you're not just watching a video, you're doing other stuff. But these are productivity features, and I, I think that's an important thing about that, that announcement is that the, the, this is, these are features designed to make iOS on an iPad more um, capable of being a productivity tool. And we know from people like Federico that you can use it to be productive now, but this certainly makes it easier to be productive and lets you be more efficient and more productive. And maybe when I think of something like that trackpad feature on the keyboard, I think maybe make people who want to use the iPad for productivity, but just, you know, when they try, they they end up saying, oh, it's just too slow. I've got I've to move the little cursor around with my finger and press delete a bunch of times. And It's not like on my laptop where I can just zip around. And, that, and this may be the kind of feature that makes somebody who was uh, had dreamed about it but had just said, look, the iPad, it's just not realistic. Um, take a second look and say, oh, actually, the iPad, it really felt like, this is the first time we've had something that felt like a cursor in iOS. And it's only text selection. But it's still, it felt like a cursor, right? You're moving that I-beam cursor around with those two fingers. And that's, um, you know, this is the iPad inching closer to a traditional desktop computer metaphor, which I think is also really interesting. But it's it's a use case where the desktop computer is just way more efficient than the iPad in, input is. So really clever, looked really good. The proof will be in the use, obviously. but. Um, just uh, super exciting. And Siri is a personal assistant now. Siri, in fact, is a brand for finding information and not about speaking because they described Siri as being the information source behind 
national or natural language search in the search box even though you weren't talking you were typing they were saying siri knows about these things so apple is sort of making it clear that what they view as siri now is this personal information assistant not just the thing that speaks to you so there's the natural language questions you can ask it stuff it it has more data like for sports and, and you can ask it questions like they have an example on the website what's 18% of 5678 you can type that stuff in now so this stuff happens typing not just talking which is really good i i like that a lot um and then it, you know it has the news stuff and you meant we mentioned the deep search but it's also it's trying to do a little bit of what google now on tap was doing so you've got something up and you can get it to remind you like remind me of this later on and it will take the content from the message or the web page or whatever and do that it adds uh siri will add uh, invites to your calendar automatically and will make more uh smart reminders for like like uh invitation so event alarms and stuff like that so it's saying like you have an appointment at six o'clock there's some traffic right now. Yeah. You should leave. This is good stuff. And, time and, to leave feature. Yeah. Said. Yeah. And, and I had a couple of people ask me on Twitter uh, during the keynote, what makes this different than what Google's doing? And, you know, we all just said that Google was doing creepy things. And why is this not creepy? And the answer is, it may or may not feel creepy to you that a computer knows things about you. But as far as I can tell, the, the big difference is everything that's happening here is happening on the device. Yeah. Whereas much of what Google does happens in the cloud. And it's up to you if you find that creepy. Like Sure. Sure, but it doesn't it doesn't compromise Apple store here, which is no. you, it's your information on your device. Um but it's it's good. Apple needs to do this. This is a place where Apple is behind um very clearly in putting all this information together and making it easy to to find things and to uh have the computer make some assumptions about you because it knows a lot of information about you and try to help you out. This is all. Um, this is all good stuff. Well, it, we'll see how it works in practice, right? They they do these demos and they blow us away, and then in practice we find that half of the stuff doesn't really work right. Yeah. So you know you you've always got a reserve judgment on these kinds of things, and then they rounded it off with what they called the foundation uh, enhancements, which are they're working optimizing battery life, including a new what's it like battery reserve mode, kind of like the the watch reserve mode i guess they didn't really give yeah, any low, information a on low this. power mode they said yeah. that that as uh, on stage said uh pulls levers you didn't even know existed to give an ex- additional three hours extended battery life i think this is i wrote this is the place where i wrote down two of the biggest announcements of the day happened at the end of an ios section almost as an aside and one of them is that according to apple ios 9 will um they they focused on real world use cases for battery life and said that in typical use a phone running OS nine iOS nine will last an hour more. And that low power mode can extend an additional three hours of battery time. And then the second big one was you needed 4.6 gigabytes free to install iOS 8 and you'll need 1.3 gigabytes. And we talked about this a while ago on the show, but like what could they improve in iOS? And this was huge um, that they've cut by, a you know, it's a quarter of the amount of space that was required for the last update because a lot of people didn't update because they had no room. I think one of the reasons why iOS uh, 8 
adoption is less than it's been in the past is that that people couldn't do it it's a, it's 83% which is good but it could be better and one of the reasons it's not is if you only have 2 gigabytes free you're just not going to update because it needs four and a half and so they've really reduced that i think those i think that's two huge pieces of news making making the iphone's battery last an hour longer in common circumstances is a giant deal and i thought it was interesting that they just kind of tossed it in there like yeah battery's gonna be maybe they don't want to oversell it but for me i just read that and thought that's huge just extending battery life in the iphone at all plus offering a setting where you can be like i'm really worried i've got to go a long time and i'm starting to run out of battery also a a really nice powerful feature that that again there are some android phones that do that now but but apple has not ever done that before and it's good to see them doing it they're promising better performance everywhere, um, and they also said that iOS nine is going to run on every device that iOS eight ran on, which is good. No more, no cutoffs this year. In the uh, in the chat room, our friend Dan Moore and I don't even know where he is right now, but he's near us somewhere. Says that um, if your your phone knows that it's face down on a table and won't turn the screen do- on when you receive a notification, I mean, smart, smart. right? That's just that's smart, smart stuff. stuff. Just using using the sensors that you have to understand the context of the phone therefore right. allowing it to do make more smart decisions. And it goes back to watching how people use your device yep. and what they use it for and making smart uh, changes to the features based on that. Yep. And just uh, the observing them. And I, I saw that a lot today. Take a break. Yeah. Do we still got more to go through? We do. <laughs> Big show today. This week's episode of Upgrade is also brought to you by Hover, the best way to buy and manage domain names. When you have ideas for projects or you have something that you really want to put some time into, you need a website for it, you're going to need a domain name. And sometimes the naming of this stuff can be really difficult. So when you finally come up with a name after deliberating for weeks and weeks, you want to be able to just get in and get out without any fuss. And that's what Hover allows you to do. When you go to Hover.com, you type what you're looking for in the search box they show you what's available from the TLD options that they have they have over 200 options they're all the ones that you're used to and some of the ones that you're not they've got them all they've got .com .co.me they have .academy .world .fish you name it Hover have got it they can help you out of it they have .fm they have the whole shebang they, they, they go great lengths to make sure that they have all the domain options that you are going to want to see and they make sure that when you type it in they show you what's available you click what you want and you can buy they don't throw a thousand screens up they don't try and trick you into buying something they don't try and upsell you on anything they just try and make it as simple as possible for you to get from search to checkout to getting your domain set up dot uh, com domains start at twelve ninety nine. every domain that hover has includes who is privacy for free this is absolutely fantastic it means that your private information stays private and people don't find out all of your, you know, your address and all that sort of stuff. Other registrars that, that I've seen and have had the unfortunate uh, experience of using before I found the wonders of Hover.com make you pay for this, which is crazy talk. Hover, give it to you for free. They have fantastic customer support. They have a no hold, no wait, no transfer telephone support policy. They are famous for this, and there's a super re- good reason why. Because it's awesome. When you call Hover, you're talking to a real person. You don't get passed around from from, from person to person. There's no question of whether it's a robot or not. When you call Hover, you will go right through. But if you do prefer to speak to robots, they have great support documents and guides so you can talk to your computer and it can give you the answers. Or Hello, can- Mike. <laughs> I am your computer. <laughs> what would you like to know? Can you help me with domains? I can do that. I am a domain robot. Thank you, domain robot. And don't you forget- are welcome, Mike. <laughs> 
Don't forget Hobbit's valet service, where they take all of the hassle out of switching from your current provider because they will just do it for you. So go right now to Hover.com and try them out. You want to use the code DEVELOPERS at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase at Hover.com and show your support for Upgrade and all of Relay FM. That's code DEVELOPERS for 10% off your first purchase. Thank you so much to Hover for their support of this show. Code DEVELOPERS. DEVELOPERS. Okay, so... Whew, here we go. Hey, what? I'm back. Was there a robot here before? Uh, I don't know. I'm so happy you're I, back. I smell like oil in the air <laughs> as if a robot had come by. Watch OS 2. Watch us. Watch us. Watch us. Lowercase w, no space. I don't like that. It's weird. So they have some new features. We have some new watch faces. I was kind of underwhelmed by this. Uh, they have time lapses of certain cities and photos. I was really hoping for some other watch faces that you know they have loads of complications like the cons we have now that's what i wanted to see yeah it's not impossible that between now and the fall they will have some more i mean they don't need to communicate to to customers or developers that there'll be some other watch faces so they could add others or they could not i'm excited when they when this was um just an idea the apple watch when they had the two events and we hadn't actually used the final product I think we thought a lot about the idea of custom watch faces. And having used the watch, I started to think much more about custom complications. <laughs> and like the faces are nice. There could be more of them, but they're nice. But the complications are so limited. There are just these few stock ones that Apple has provided. And it turns out this was, for me, this was the big news on the watch side of the day is, yes, native apps, we knew that would happen. And that's that's got some potential. But um, also that native apps, presumably, will be able to push um, data into complications so that I can take data from the Major League Baseball app of the my favorite team's current score and have it appear as a as a complication or um the one that i keep thinking of is weather underground i've got the temperature on my weather station at my house on weather underground i would like to see that temperature on my watch not the you know whatever forecast yahoo weather temperature that's wrong i want the real one and and an app knows that so my watch should be able to show that now with this complications third-party complications we get that that's going to be exciting stuff. I, I, I'm thinking that with third-party complications, I may go into a like setting of having different customized watch faces because you can set up different ones, right? Yeah, so of the I same would, face even. Which yeah, is I great. would have like my travel watch face, uh-huh. which has my flight information on it and stuff. I think that might be good to then set up and to play around with. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, people are doing some of that now, but it's going to become even more so because there's only so much space and different complications. One thing they didn't talk about that I do think ultimately they need to do is deal with... Um, maybe it's in there and we just don't know because it didn't make it into the keynote but I like the idea of complications that are um, that are aware of of certain kinds of states and the example with the existing one is when the calendar complication gets to no more events of the day it just says no more events which is just dumb um, and I wonder if at some point down the road you should be able to do things like say I know that you're about to have a trip so now I'm going to put up the travel complication or something like that. And that's probably a ways off, but I feel like um, that's the next intelligent agent step well, for the watch. That goes hand in hand with the Siri stuff. Like eventually yeah. that stuff should filter into right. the It should know, I, I, I can call up your flight information now and display it because now I know you're about to go, to, go on that flight. 
but uh, otherwise I'm not going to show it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to show you this other, you know, some other piece of information that's relevant. Time travel is an interesting one. So when you're on the watch phase... <laughs> From the people who brought you Time Machine, now time, there's time, time travel. travel. Uh, basically, you can spin the digital crown in either direction and it will update complications accordingly. So, for example, yeah. your calendar will show you what's coming next or what's past. Uh, the temperature stuff will change, that kind of thing. And and uh, it'd be interesting. I don't, you know, I don't know what's happened with some apps, um, but there is a an element of understanding what's going on in the past and in the in the future with this kind of right thing. they show the that Volkswagen app that was trying to estimate basically as you moved into the future it was it was able to provide an estimate for how much your electric car would be charged at that any doesn't given make any time. sense to me that one which it's, is so you could use it the next day and it's, it's like that that one I get what they're doing but that doesn't that example doesn't work well it it, it makes sense if you are um I think what it makes sense is if you know you need to drive like so so when I went to New Jersey, Lex Friedman picked me up at the airport and he can get to the airport and back uh, with his electric car sort of just barely, but he can get it, but it needs to be fully charged. So I can see a scenario oh, okay. where you're, you're looking, you're checking and you want to see, is the car going to be fully charged? I, I, I'm okay. going somewhere and I okay. need it fully charged. When's that going to be? And your car's app will be able to know and give time machine, not time machine, time machine, time travel. Time machine backs things up. Time travel, completely different. Use a time machine for time travel. That's really confusing. Um, time travel will let you see, oh, I only need about 60% battery. I'll get that in two hours. Yeah, that may not be the most practical demonstration, but I can see where you could use that. Also, we should say this is a behavior that's in current watch faces now. It's in the astronomy and solar faces. Yeah. That if you move the, in those, if you move the crown, you can go forward and backward in time. And so they've applied that to other faces as this concept of sort of like seeing what's happening. And it, it, it lets you see what's coming in your calendar later, for example, if you've got a calendar complication, which is interesting. Somebody, I think, uh, I may be stealing something from Ask Upgrade, but somebody asked about how this relates to maybe being, you know, Apple's response to the timeline view in Pebble Time. Yeah, let me, let me find that question because that, oh, no. And I'm not sure whether it's a response or not. But it seems to be Apple's attempt to solve the same problem. Yeah, that came from Oz. He asked, do you think the time travel thing is a response to their timeline interface? I think, I mean, I look at that and, and my feeling would be that Apple saw that and was like, that's smart. We could do that. Yeah, it's possible or, or it was on a parallel track, but it's certainly trying to solve the same problem, which is, okay, I've got this calendar complication. It shows me one thing. What if I want to scroll through my calendar? Well, you can open the calendar app, but now you can just spin the, the crown and move forward in time. So uh, we also have something that... So basically, you now turn your watch into an alarm clock, like an actual digital alarm clock yeah. on your nightstand by putting your watch into a position that nobody does. <laughs> I certainly don't. You don't. Stephen doesn't. Laying it on its side, the non-button side, and it displays... Clipping the charger to the back. Yeah, clip the charger to the back, and it displays a clock... And it'll your next alarm, and 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 your alarm, and you can press the crown to snooze, and you can press the other button to turn it off, and it's like alarm clock mode for your for your watch, which is super clever. I have never thought to put my watch in that orientation, but I guess I'll try it tonight and see what happens. And all of these stands, all the stands, so none of them, are, no, that they none of them are in that orientation, no. So now there needs to be new stands, yeah, not new stand, new stands. No. 
news uh, stands news stands that work in this this orientation which is very sad i feel terrible for people like uh 12 south like yeah that's sad so obviously we, we got what we wanted uh we get native apps and there's yeah there's i don't really know what to say here there's going to be native apps yeah and this is big because right now the ui well apple didn't say a lot about it either apple said Hey, the UI, uh, you know, was on the watch, but the, all the logic was happening on the iPhone app, and now it won't. It'll be on the watch, yay! And then they moved on, because I guess the people that know what that means are happy with that. They don't need to say anymore. Well, there's more sessions at WWDC, yeah. but I think they felt they didn't want to dive deeper. It wasn't necessary. Well, I mean, they they did go into a list a, a list of things that it does, right? So it's it's um, it can use the it can use the network when you're on Wi-Fi, which I um. There were a couple of people I, I know mentioned sort of like, well, why does that why does that matter? And it matters that if your phone is at home, but you're at the market on the market's Wi-Fi, um, those apps can use the network, even though they're not attached to your phone. Right now, that wouldn't work because without your phone nearby, they don't go they don't run those apps over the internet. Do you know where that's better? The gym. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you're at the gym's Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. So even if you're nowhere near, well, there your phone and your wife, your phone and your watch might be on the same Wi-Fi. If you bring your watch well, you to don't the have gym, to, you don't have to take your phone to. But the you media. don't have to take the yeah. gym, phone to the gym, right? Or I mean, for me, that the example is I walk over to Whole Foods and I just have my watch on. I get to Whole Foods and I'm I'm on the Whole Foods Wi-Fi. All the apps in my watch will just work. Or I go to Starbucks and I'm on the Starbucks Wi-Fi. They just work. So that's that's a that's a big plus. They have access. They they can play audio out of the speaker or to Bluetooth headphones. They can play video. Um, use the microphone. They can use the microphone. Um, they 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 said long or short form audio and short form video. Yeah, I thought that vines. was interesting. Do not play YouTube videos nope. in here. But vines you could do. Yep. Access to health kit, including heart rate, home kit access natively on the watch, accelerometer access, the taptic engine where you can choose. It sounds like you don't say buzz the taptic engine. You you what they said was choose from a range of feelings. So you'll choose from an emotion palette, I guess, <laughs> a vibration and sound pairing that have been curated for you, presumably by Apple's sound vibration taptic pairing sommeliers or whatever. And, uh, and, but you could do that. So you can, if you write a native app, because right now the native apps can't do, the, the, the existing watch kit apps can't do that. They don't have access to the digital crown. They can't make noise. They can't buzz the taptic engine. They can't do any of that stuff. And all of that is available with native. So it's a, it's a big win for, um, I think the qualifier that I would give is it's a big win for apps that need that stuff. You know, because there are a lot of watch apps that I feel are sort of like pointless, but there are also some that will be um, great when they have access to this stuff. Do you have anything else you wanted to touch on with the watch? Um, I don't know. The the I'll just say I'm looking forward to hearing what developers think of the watchOS stuff, um, because that's the open question. Anybody who listened to ATP has heard Marco talk about. I don't know if I even want to do a, a native watch app because like. It's all in the details of what it allows him to do. And, you know, as somebody who who runs um, and has a watch and has an iPhone and listens to podcasts, I do kind of like the idea of being able to take um, Overcast with me with a couple of podcasts and not have to bring my phone with me. I would like to do that. And if Overcast, if the watch, the new watch native apps interface allows Marco to build that tool for me, I would love to have it. 
Um, but it, you know, there are like 10 things it has to support. And if one of them isn't there, he can't do it. Sure. So I'm looking forward to hearing after the developers all go to all the sessions this week, of course, um, that they will, uh, you know, they'll report back. And I'm looking forward to that because that, that'll give us all non, all of us non-developers a little bit of a better sense of scope of what the universe of possible Apple Watch apps is because it's not going to be everything we can imagine. There are going to be limitations, uh, limitations of the, of the operating system, limitations of that little tiny device. It's not that, you know, powerful. It's tiny. Um, so it, I'm looking forward to that now, now that it's out in the open because Apple promised this from day one. Yeah, Apple said back do. in September of last year, there will be native apps eventually. And uh, we're getting very close to eventually now, and we finally are going to have the details. So I'm looking forward to finding out from the developers what I they are. couldn't help but watch that segment and think, you should have just waited and launched of this. <sighs> yeah. Honestly, I think, I think you're right now, because although there are some good apps, there are a lot of bad apps, and there's also a lot of... Ins- the, the reliance on that, that kind of tethering. I have, I have times when apps just don't launch on my yeah. watch, and I can't tell why it's happening. They just don't. They just don't launch. I just and it's different apps at different times. Sometimes they launch. Sometimes they don't. Some watch. Some apps never launch. Some apps launch half the time. It's kind of a mess, and they don't. They're not that good. Um, I would rather have just had glances, honestly. <laughs> Little information glances. Some like well, Twitterific, no Twitterific is good. The Twitterific app is really good. Um, but you know, I don't know. There are good apps, but they all suffer from the same problems. And then there are a huge number that are not good. Yeah, I mean, and there will, there'll be loads of not good native apps, but the good sure. native apps will, will be benefit, really will be even better. Because even the good ones are bad in some ways, and it's not the developer's fault that no. they're bad. But now, the point... So this is really interesting. The music section. <laughs> now... <laughs> We were talking earlier, right at the top of the show, about criticizing positively and negatively the products and the announcements and criticizing the presentation. We didn't even mention the intro video, like the comedy intro video. So we had, we had a couple of videos, right? Um, there was the, the Bill Hader yeah. video at yeah. the beginning, which was funny. Funny. It was good. It worked. It was a... Uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was funny and... Um, Making, I mean, it really was like, let's do a Saturday Night Live video about Apple things, making references. There's the birds from Monument Valley were in there, and angry birds get angry, shaking the bird. Yeah, it was it was funny. Um, so there was that video. Um, there were a bunch of videos because there was a video later about how great how great music is. How great that was like something. How great developers are. How the App Store has changed the world. Lots of videos actually. Lots of videos in there. But the problem with music is, so for me, as a person that wanted this service, they have given me everything I wanted, in theory. I, I still feel like there's a lot so, more I need to learn. So Apple Music is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Apple new, Music. It's the Beats Music revised to yep. be Apple Music, new service, which they announced. Now, you didn't really announce that clearly. You just sort of jumped into it. Um, paralleling, I think, this event, which yeah. never really was super clear on what the service was. There are a lot of questions, but the overview of what I've seen is exactly what I want. It's a streaming service mm-hmm. that has curation yeah. with playlists yes. done by humans. Yeah, and they, they made a point. that That's one of their big differentiators is they really believe in human curators who know and love music and that they are, they said, 
Um, you got to go beyond the algorithm. You can't just have an algorithm. You have to have people. Um, and that's, that's their, that's what they're pushing here, which was Beats's, Beats, Beats tried to make a big thing about that too. And Apple is extending that. And I think that's good. This is, this is very much Beats music integrated into Apple's music app. The problem was the presentation of this service seemed under-rehearsed, uh, and way too long, and just unfocused if we get to meta meta if we pull back to meta key key note criticism as a presentation i felt like the first 90 minutes of the pre- this presentation was really really good yep tight focused disciplined on message the last segment with music was none of those things it was flabby yep. it was undisciplined it was self-indulgent it failed to sell the product I I will, uh, as somebody who was at Macworld Expo in New York in 2001, where John Rubenstein um, spent like half an hour with weird animations of how the megahertz myth wasn't real of Apple versus Intel, um, this is the worst keynote performance since then, this segment. This was, this was a bad, they did a bad job. Yeah. And, and it, part of that might be, well, those music guys, they're crazy, but... Um, I got to say, there was a moment in there when Eddie Q was joking around on stage where I thought, oh, this is what people mean when they say that they find Apple presentations insufferable and arrogant. Yeah. And I don't generally agree with that. I think that those people are generally wrong. But it was like I was taken through the looking glass for a moment there because I thought it was awful. I thought they did a bad job. Um, I, they didn't sell the product. and um, And it was various degrees of embarrassing i mean i thought eddie q went on way too long like he was really enjoying being on stage and was what? wasting he was our playing time. so much music it didn't make any he was sense playing music loudly while talking he was giving us a demo i mean if we want to talk about the discipline here he was giving us a demo of the music app like this is a it felt like a presentation of a music service by people who don't understand how to present services and so they just presented an app and showed the music service inside the app but I, I don't think that did a good job of showing it. Like, yes, we know how the music app works, but is the big story here that they revamped the music app or that there's a whole music service backing it? And it felt like at times that the music app was the story. There was also a really funny moment. I actually had to lean over to Dan Morin and say, did I just hear that right? Where he said, say we want to find an album. What we do is we tap on this button down at the bottom that says artists. <laughs> and the answer is it's a, it's like a toggle for yeah. all your different search types. But in that moment, I was like, wow, that's really bad user user interface design. To find albums, tap artists. To find <laughs> artists, tap albums. Because yeah. it's never the thing you want to search for. It's the thing that you're already looking yeah. at. But, you know, again, I was like, this is an app demo. And the service is the story. So why are you demoing the app and not the service? Um, Jimmy Iovine's presentation was rambly. He either and didn't care or was really nervous. I, I can't decide which one it was. And that one was amazing because I felt like if this was a third somebody they carted out from some other from a record company to make a presentation, they would have said, "Look, you've you got thirty seconds, and then we're just going to come back out there and get you and turn off your microphone." But he works for the company now. They can't turn off his mic. They can't use the big hook to pull him off stage. He works for Apple, so they just left him out there. Mm-hmm. And then they brought Drake out, and Drake, which was literally like, I mean, again, 
again, I think this is the difference between the tech industry and the music industry. Music industry, they are it's it's like schmoozing and and talking up the artists and all this stuff. And I and that's the problem I have with this presentation. I think fundamentally, in addition to it being undisciplined and way too long and having no focus, is that it didn't feel like it was about the consumers so much no. as about pay, paying service to the music industry. Drake was supposed to come on stage to explain the Connect feature. Yeah, to say instead, this is I'm really excited about connecting yeah. with my fans. Is instead, what he, was he, he to told his story. I don't know why he did that. And then went away again. Yeah. And that just, oh. Yeah, so, you know, I'm I'm a Beats Music user. Yep. I think this, I'm excited about this. Yep. It sounds like Beats Music users will be able to log in at the end of the month and 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 basically transfer all of their stuff over, I think, any uh, to, to Apple Music. I think any credit that you've got in Beats Music transfers to iTunes. There's a there's a whole process that'll happen. It seems like most of the Beats Music features are there, and then they've been maybe augmented a little bit. But um, and they're doing this uh, they're doing this radio station thing, which like um, like uh, like podcasting is worldwide and immediate, which is nice. Instead of like being in four countries, that's going to be everywhere with your guy, Zane, Zane Lowe. Lowe. So Zane Lowe's heading Beats One now. I have a I. I can see why they're calling it Beats 1, because eventually there'll be Beats 2, and there'll be Beats 3. Zane, Zane Lowe came from Radio 1. Mm-hmm. Radio 1's logo looks incredibly like Beats 1's oh, logo. Sure. And I'm not sure why they have decided to go that route. Um, I don't know if he advised on it, and Apple have not done due, due diligence, but there are <laughs> trademark issues. Yeah, I think that they could run into a, an intro because, which is because the Beats logo is a circle, and then you have a big number one, and it looks, it reminds me of the Radio One logo. Um, I am very interested and excited about this. My main concern with Beats One is there is one channel that is DJed. That is not taking into account different music tastes. Um, and it seemed like they will have other radio, but that's going to be the radio that they criticized, that's... which I didn't understand, the yeah. playlist radio. But there is going to be a curated radio, which I will tune into because Zane Lowe is amazing. And do you know what they spoke about, which I found so exciting? They said they are building radio programs. They are yeah. creating radio programs, and they're hiring people to make those. They have three DJs, um, whose names I can't remember, and they're New York, LA, and uh, London. Yeah. Um and the lady who was who was the London DJ was doing the voiceover for the video. Um That's Julie in London. Julie in London, there you go. And so look, the service looks to me exactly what I want. Apple did a horrific job of presenting well, it. Well and and that's what I was getting at, you know, is I can criticize the presentation. Um I think the service is really interesting. In fact, one of the reasons I have I feel like I have to criticize the presentation even more is that you can kind of forgive them from obfuscating something that's not any good and being like, look, yeah, look, yeah. fireworks, sparklers, yeah. an elephant, woo! There's this thing. It's the it's it's the Motorola rocker, yeah! Yep. Right. But this looks good. It's Apple's first foray into you know music streaming subscription service. It's, they mean business. They're putting it on Android. That they mean business. I, I know, right? Yeah. And yet, so one of the reasons that I'm I'm this critical of the way they they presented it is I think they did a bad job of presenting a good product, and that's offensive to me more than anything else. It's like, come on, guys, 
you had this really interesting thing and you had and and you rolled it out in this just bloated egocentric you know and it doesn't help that there was that video um not too much before this where they where somebody literally uh compared the app store to the industrial revolution that was priming the pump a little bit of like really that is laying it on pretty thick but the music thing just put it to shame the 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 eddie q dancing to music and the karaoke yeah. references and the jimmy iovine's rambling uh, and drake yeah. not being just, sure why he was there like you know he, like he just turned up they were and, writing jokes for him that he didn't understand like the revolutionary like it's three things oh, a revolutionary well that, that music killed service. me that, that jimmy iovine was making that slide makes reference to steve jobs thing and i thought that's where he was going which is why everybody he didn't laughed get the joke. And instead he's confused why people are laughing he looks behind him at the slide he goes oh yeah like he doesn't really even yeah. understand what was happening and that would have been funny like B- apple music is three things it's a revolutionary this it's the are you getting it that would have been a funny bit instead it, he was just confused and rambly and 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 you know making it's innuendo. Saying, it's saying something that Eddie Q was the third worst presenter in that segment. Because <laughs> 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 there's Drake. We got Drake. Drake's uh, Drake's at the top. Ah, for, really for, it was not, it it was not good. So it it's so me. it's ninety minutes of good, and then there was this this kind of like flabby, uh, uh, unfocused thing at the end to launch the service, and it, the the service deserved better. Do you know what more. it's just done? What it's just done here? It's going to do everywhere. We're talking about how bad the presentation was and not how good the product is. Yeah. We haven't which even is, said about which, how much it's going to cost. Which, we haven't spoken about any of that. Which is why I was saying this, this is really useful when you are trying to hide things. But when you've got something you want to stand behind, un- unless this is like, well, let's analyze Eddie Q's blinking for Morse code. Perhaps he's sending secret messages to the music industry. And this is the this whole thing is pitched at artists to get them excited because it certainly felt like you know, music industry puffery about how great Apple is and artists and we love them and all of that instead of being pitched to consumers. Maybe that was the point. Maybe this is all about how, uh, you know, Taylor Swift really ought to talk, you know, call Eddie Q and call Jimmy Iovine and, and, and get in on, on this great thing. But it, it's a shame if you're trying to make a clear message of this new service that you're launching. Cause it's, so it's $9.99 a month. First three three months are going to be free. It launches at the end of June, so people are going to get to use it for three months for free. Then it's nine ninety nine a month or fourteen ninety nine a month for up to six members of your family that uses iTunes Family Sharing um, to to do that. But that means that you know your kids' music tastes are not recommended for you, which is key. That's important. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, and Android. Android in the fall. So there's, I'm looking at, they've got a free tier, they've got a paid tier. So the free tier, you can view and follow artists on Connect, you can listen to Beats 1, and right. you can listen to Apple Music radio stations. Sure. But you can't skip them. And then with the paid tier, you can skip the radio stations, so like the curate radio stations, that kind of thing. You can play and save Connect content. You can like, connect content or, or radio songs, enjoy unlimited listening from the music library, add stuff from the music library to your collection, save for offline, and get the expert music recommendations. That's what comes with paying for Apple right. Music. And that's basically what we have now, right? That's your paying, like, like you're paying for Beats Music. iTunes Match exists. It's sold separately. It's not integrated in any way. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's... If you want to stream, you can do that. But if you want to skip or have access to the library, you pay. And that, that I think it makes sense. I just am a little... It was weird. It was really weird. That, that 
struck me as a nice 15 minute um capper to the event and instead it was this 30 minute just bizarre thing It was like Merlin Man summed it up greatly in an Ask Upgrade tweet to us. He said, for real, please explain Apple Music slowly to me. It's Beats plus iTunes Match plus social something. Like, and yeah, I mean, that was yeah. what they needed to explain. Right. And it's and not iTunes Match. That. Yeah. It's iTunes Match. When you think about it, it makes sense. iTunes Match is more of a service for people who own music. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's not iTunes Match, but they did say that the stuff that you have bought will show up in your Apple Music library. Yes. So it's kind of like iTunes Match. Right. Yeah, as long as you well, <laughs> if I if I buy a Taylor Swift CD and rip it, it's in my iTunes library for iTunes Match, but I'm pretty sure if I'm just a, if that's right. not on the service then it's not going to show up. But that doesn't matter because you can just I don't even know why they do it anyway. Yeah. I think it just shows up in your library automatically. I think yeah. that's the thing. Maybe automatically. Yeah, automatically. That's even better. So should it's we do magic. some ask upgrade? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We'll move on. Enough negativity about. But I'm really excited and, about Apple Music. Uh, uh, yeah. This is exactly what we have been I think speaking the Beats about. One on thing is really a cool idea too. Yeah, I love that. And like we've been talking about this on Connected for months, and this is exactly what me and Federico want. But they were ham-fisted and awkward, mm. and just so par quality. Like maybe really it'll be like quality. having a baby. You know, in the end, you get the baby, and you don't have to worry about the. How awful the experience was. You just forget that part. Maybe it'll be like sure. that. Let's thank MailRoute for sponsoring Ask Upgrade this week. Uh, thank you to MailRoute for sponsoring hashtag Ask Upgrade. You've heard me talk about them before. MailRoute is a service. It lives in the cloud. It stands between your mail server and the big bad internet. So you don't have to do anything with hardware or software that you need to install or maintain. You just sign up for MailRoute's cloud service. You point your MX records, which is this uh, thing that basically tells the internet where to send mail for your domain, you point it at MailRoute. All the mail that people are trying to send to you goes to MailRoute servers instead up in the cloud. You never see them. MailRoute then takes that mail in, filters it, finds out if there's spam or viruses or bounced email or anything bad. And if it's bad, and they've got very smart software that can detect that, if it's bad, it, uh, it will put it in a holding bin. And uh, you can retrieve stuff from there if you really need to, but it just passes on the stuff that's good, the stuff that it knows you want to see. So your mail server is protected. It never even sees the bad mail. Uh, big universities and corporations rely on MailRoute to keep their email servers free of spam and their users free of spam. If you're a desktop user, you'll find the interface is super easy and effective. And if you're an email admin or an IT pro, they've built all their tools with you in mind. There's an API for easy account management, and they support LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, Outbound Relay, and mail bagging. Mail bagging. Everything you'd want from the people who are handling your mail. So remove spam from your life for good with MailRoute. Go to mailroute.net slash upgrade for a free trial and 10% off for the lifetime of your account for as long as you are paying MailRoute for their services, 10% off by going to MailRoute.net slash upgrade. And of course, you can try MailRoute with no credit card necessary, so you can give them a try. There's a free trial, so there's no reason not to give it a shot. Thank you to MailRoute for keeping my email free of spam and sponsoring hashtag AskUpgrade. I have some follow-up from Leon in the chat room. So this comes from yeah. Apple's pages. Leon keeps pasting things in. See, I haven't read Apple's pages yeah. because I just, you know, went to the keynote. We just, we just walked uh, right in. All my information about Apple Music 
is the information content of the presentation about Apple Music, which was, as we've just detailed, it was not a lot. <laughs> Your entire library lives in iCloud when you're an Apple Music member. First, we identify all the tracks in your personal collection and compare them to, app to the Apple Music library to see if we have copies. If we do, we make them instantly available in iCloud across all your devices. If you have music that's not in the Apple Music library, we upload those songs from iTunes on your Mac or PC, and because Whoa. it's all stored in iCloud. So it's available everywhere. So it is iTunes Match. Yeah, so it, basically iTunes Match seems to be for people who don't want to pay for a streaming service. Then you just pay for iTunes Match. Stephen Hackett, <laughs> yeah, and gentlemen. That's interesting. Well, then, if that's the case, then I can just uh, let my iTunes Match subscription lapse. Mine or... renewed like a week ago, and I yeah, about I wonder it. if I could talk them into transferring that into credit or something, since I've all already got. I don't know, but yeah, that's the, then it is. It has that feature inside it. So I have a small selection of Ask Upgrade. Yes, we got a lot, and thank you, everybody. Yeah, we got a lot. We actually answered a bunch of them throughout the episode. So I've gone in and I've picked out the stuff that I think is left that we haven't yet spoken about. So this comes from Ben. Uh, what is the significance of Apple making Swift open source? Um, this is something I don't really get. Uh, well, okay. My guess is that the advantage of that is that it can't be seen as a proprietary, proprietary thing that Apple can, you know, can run away with that theoretically somebody could implement Swift elsewhere on other platforms and that would be okay. I'm not sure if it has any practical use or not. I would like to hear a developer who's familiar with platforms and languages and things like that talk more about it. I like that Apple's open about it and not trying to say, no, no, this is ours, stay away. I guess listen to ATP, right? <laughs> you, yeah. You'll get what you need. I guess yeah. I'm sure. Basically, I want to hear what John has to say about yeah. it. So, so that's some follow out, future follow out. Uh, from Nathan, would you have expected Apple to address stability or issues like Discovery D in this venue? Or do you think they'll do this in other points at WWDC in the week? Or just yeah. completely, completely gloss over it and just be like, just say what they said? We're making it better. There's probably a session somewhere where they'll talk about it that's about, you know, some esoteric something involving low-level networking or networking APIs or something like that where somebody will say, oh, yeah, we brought back the old one because it's more stable and thank you for your feedback and yeah. we'll bring back the new one once we're sure that it will work better or something. I think that'll be it. And then we have from uh, The Hexagon... Uh, what uh, do you, what do you think of the new photo extensions for Mac? The idea that they're going to have them. I mean, they kind of mentioned that this might be a thing. Yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, it's good. The the more extensions you can add to um, photos, the better, because that functionality, there's sort of base functionality there. And they suggested when they announced that Aperture was going away, I think they implied that that, that yeah, would happen, did. and it just hadn't happened with the 1.0. In fact, I think I wrote a little sidebar in my book about photos that um, that says it's a 1.0 and it's entirely possible that their strategy is what it was with Final Cut, which is get the 1.0 out there and then start adding in all those features that everybody's complaining that aren't there, but they couldn't do it all in once. So they, they, they'll roll them in. And maybe that's what we're looking at here is rolling some of that stuff in now. Rajiv asked, uh, are you surprised there was no announcement on photos or iCloud storage pricing? I'm not surprised. I'm a little disappointed. I'm not sure that was necessary now. I think they could announce that at any point if they really want to change their storage pricing. Um, 
you know, I I do feel like it's it's too high and it's going to depress use of these services. But you know, if that's Apple has better numbers about that. All I have is my you know opinions. Apple has really good numbers about that sort of thing. I'm sure they they have estimates internally about how well they think this is going to sell and how many people are complaining that they're out of space or whatever and what the size of the average photo library is and all these things that they probably know. And if they feel like they're not living up to what they expect and suspect that it's because their pricing is too high, then they'll change it. I don't think they need to do it today. I'm a little disappointed because it would have been, I want it to happen. I want them to be more competitive with their rates, but you know, they could do that. They could literally do that anytime and not even tell anybody and just change it. They don't even need an event or a press release. Finally from Josh, does Notes still have the terrible paper background texture? I think so. Yeah, that's unfortunate, I think. I wish they would have gotten rid of that. Maybe there's a preference to... I wish. I wish there won't be, but I wish there was. I don't think there is. I think if they're going to make the app more sensible and serious, I think they should treat the UI similarly, in my opinion. I think that I don't even understand why in the iOS 7 land it was still looked like that. And have like this this texture well, paper the legal, background. The legal pad thing too is just baffling to me. Yeah, very or post-it notes. Yeah, it's very weird. No, uh, not not a fan of that. But we'll see what happens there. So I think we come to the end. I think so. So we reach the end now. We're going to be doing a bunch of shows uh, from San Francisco this week. There's going to be a lot more coverage of WBDC. You want to check out Connected, Clockwise, and Rocket going to be a bunch of different angles on this stuff and we're going to be covering it throughout the week so you can check those out on relay.fm um there'll be a, a lot of interesting stuff there that you'll be able to uh to treat your ears to throughout this week <laughs> as we you know find out more about this stuff and talk about it as the week goes on talk to developers see what they think and we'll be able to report back to you guys what the word on the street in San Francisco is that's right we're we're here we're high atop the relay towers right now yep. broadcasting live at like beats one beats one will join us later but we are broadcasting live worldwide <laughs> yep with no release no staggered release windows simultaneously worldwide right now it's just how we do it from san francisco if you want to uh, send us in feedback follow up that kind of thing you know you can always use hashtag ask upgrade for that stuff as well as your questions um, you can speak to me and jason personally on twitter jason is at jsnell j-s-n-e-l-l and i am at imike i-m-y-k-e uh, jason will have some great coverage and thoughts and feelings about this stuff over at sixcolors.com so you can check him out there i'm sure you'll be getting dan to help you out with that as well he's working on something right now in fact wow look at that and then we'll be yeah and we'll be here for clockwise on wednesday hopefully yep. Yep, so that'd be really good stuff. So you can check that out. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, MailRoute, Hover, and Field Notes. And we'll be back next time. Say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Mike Hurley from a robot. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>